Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the STEM Civics radio show previously at the Purple Palace, but now coming to you live virtually at everyone's home. Uh, this afternoon, we have a special guest with us, whom I'm going to introduce uh, after our roll call here. So from left to right on your screen, I want you to go ahead and give me your name, and, and I'll go last. Not you yet, Doc. Not you yet. We're going to start with Talia, okay? Um, uh, left to right, give me your name and something fun that you did this past weekend or the weekend before. All right, make up something. I'm just kidding, you don't gotta lie. Go ahead, start off, start us off, Talia. Well, I just gave your name, so you can say it again though if you want. <laughs> my name's Talia. Um, I didn't do nothing exciting. My life is very boring. <laughs> oh. I'm feeling sad <laughs> for you already, girl. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> Go ahead, Carl. Carl is muted. Carl, unmute yourself. Well, anyway, I already said Carl's name. So Layla, go ahead. Forget Carl. Hi, my name is Layla. And all I do is work. So that's that's what my, my weekend consists of, is work. Do you have fun? <laughs> Yeah, I actually like it there. Yeah, your new spot. What's your new spot again? Marshalls? Marshalls. There you go, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to have to get in there and get a discount. Discount. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next. I think that's you, Brick Guy. And I'm you. There you go, buddy. Uh -oh. Is everybody hearing Brakai all broken up like I am? Broken up, mm -hmm. yep. Okay, Brakai, you're a little broken up, so um, try to find some place where uh, maybe your um, server is closer to your computer. I'm not sure what's going on. Z, Zoe. Hi, my name is Zoe, and something I did this weekend was um, going shopping for my brother's birthday. All right. Okay. All right. Is is Carl back on yet? Is he trying to, he hasn't been trying to get on, has he? Not yet. Okay. All right. And as for me, while we're waiting on some other guests there, I'm Mr. Paul. Okay. And I'm a dean of the 11th grade at STEM Civics. What did I do this weekend? This weekend, I my wife was away this weekend. So I really chilled max because I didn't have a, I didn't have a honey-do list. So I chilled. But the week before was real fun. I went on a Harvest Fest with my grandkids had a blast. They wore me out, came home and passed it out. So that was, so that was my two weekends, but it was good. It was a good time. Um, but anyway, this afternoon, like I said, we have a special guest with us, Dr. D.A. Graham. I'm just going to give you a short little biography and then I'll let him do his thing. Okay. Dr. Graham is currently a professor and, and, and correct me if I miss, if I mess up anything, Dr. Graham. Okay. Uh, okay. Professor and ombudsman. And I want you to tell us what an ombudsman does. I know what it does, but the kids probably does don't and uh, our uh, listeners probably don't uh, at Kansas State University. He previously was an ombudsman at Princeton University. Uh, he's formerly, uh, he was a former Trenton resident and a former uh, Trenton board member, served in the US Navy, uh, which I did as well. So we have that in common. Um, <laughs> and right. he's an advocate for nonviolent communication and a speaker on social justice, just to name a few of the things on his resume. And I'm sure he'll give you more on that. But uh, without any further ado, Dr. Graham, I'm gonna give you the floor and you can start off however you want. And then um, we'll pick up from there. We, we, you're, gonna, you're gonna see we fly by the wing of our pants here. That's, that's how we roll. All right. Very good, Mr. Paul. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share this space with these uh, beautiful, young people and uh, Mr. Bell as well. Thank you so much. Um, I am elated to be here with you. Uh, I am at the University of Kansas, not Kansas State. They get mad about that, that kind of stuff. Oh, that's uh, true. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, Kansas State, yeah, it's absolutely different from- uh, That's true, University you're right. Kansas. So if you think basketball, 
dominance, think University of Kansas. Um, so yeah, so let me just start by saying how much I appreciate this work that you are doing um, with young people because this is vital, right? This is the vital, this is how we help young people move into spaces that they don't believe that they have the opportunities to do STEM. And uh, I, I remember my mother sent me off to college. I went to the University of Alabama, roll tide. Uh, <laughs> speaking of something fun this weekend, I watched that game and watched Georgia go down. So that was nice. That, that was fun, that huh? Was nice. Um, so for me, I um, went to University of Alabama, like I said, my mother sent me there to get a degree in business computer science. Uh, and this was 1987. Uh, she said, this is the wave of the future, son. And uh, so I, I said that, um, and once I took my first D-Base and Fortran class, uh, and I know the students today don't, don't know what those words mean, but um, for me, I took a class called Great Speakers and Speeches. And Dr. Martin Luther King was voted by uh, all of these scholars. He was voted as the greatest speaker of all time. Uh, now, you got to understand, I was born in 1968 uh, when Martin Luther King was killed in uh, April, April 4th, 1968. And I was born in November of that year. And so my theory is the energy that left Martin's body, that social justice energy, uh, went into the children, into the wombs of the mothers who were bearing children uh, in that year. And there was something around social justice that has stuck with me from the moment I stepped foot on the campus of the University of Alabama, knowing that the governor stood in the door saying that no blacks, or back in the day they would say Negroes, would uh, attend the University of Alabama. Uh, and so I took that as a challenge, right? I took it as a challenge. I took it as an opportunity. I applied to no other school except the University of Alabama. Um, so for me, it was an opportunity to walk into a space and to show up as myself, uh, to be present as myself. So, um, and, and then getting, a, I knew I wasn't gonna get a degree in science. That just wasn't, I'm more right brain than left brain. <laughs> and so, like I said, I took this course, Great Speakers and Speeches by Dr. Culpepper Clark, who's a great Southern gentleman. And I fell in love with communications. And so, which is where I ended up uh, getting my degree, which ultimately led me, you know, through my life, through this space of being an ombuds. So what is an, an ombuds person or an ombudsman or something to that effect? So an, an ombuds, uh, even if you may remember this in the Navy, they had ombudsmen uh, in the Navy um, and, uh, and they were usually the wives uh, or spouses of service members who served as the ombudsperson. So that person is one who is, at, <clears throat> who is a, a disseminator of information, but also is basically a liaison between multiple communities. And so you are the hub that allows multiple communities when they are in conflict to exist together. Uh, so when, so there are four tenants to the Ombuds office. Uh, it's confidential, it's informal, uh, it's, we are the neutral for the organization. The, and also um, it is independent. Right, so it is not a part of the command system or the organizational system. So it sits outside and people can come and confidentially raise issues to my office um, when they are uh, having concerns or issues with policies, procedures, relationships, uh, different things like that at the university. Uh, so, and I also teach uh, in communications, uh, I, I teach um, all levels of types of communication, leadership, uh, diversity, and different things like that as well. Um, so it, what I wanted to, 
I don't know how you want how where you want me to go from there. Uh, it's, it's you, you just go. I'll let, I'll let you know if you're going in the wrong direction. No, <laughs> <laughs> you just go and, okay. and believe me, we have we have people on here that, that you know when the time comes for questions or whatever, they may they may hit on the topic that you hit on, or they may go somewhere to the left. Very I, good. I, I've come to yeah. accept that. So yeah. you just I, go wherever you want to go, Doc. Roger that. So I like I like all kinds of questions. So. Um, so for me, what's important is why is it that for young people, especially young people of color, um, to go into areas that we are not normally seen in? This is why I love going skiing. This is why I love going to the dunes. This is why I love doing things that they say that my people don't normally do, right? In air quotes. Um, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro last year. Um, yes. And so, um, and one of the things being in Tanzania, and it was my first time in the motherland and being in Tanzania and feeling at home. I mean, absolutely feeling at home um, around people who looked like me, um, who did not speak my, uh, my, they spoke English, but then they spoke Swahili as well. Uh, so I learned a little Swahili before I went there and then to be able to connect with them. So what I discovered was, so I was born with 12 fingers. And I don't, you may not be able to see it, but I have these little nubs um, where they cut them off when I was a, when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get there and so there we have porters and cooks and guides who are leading us up the mountain and lo and behold, I look and see that there is, um, other, the, some of the porters who have this same, they have these nubs, they have the same nubs I do. Um, and I thought that that was absolutely fascinating uh, that uh, here we are disconnected by time and space, but we have something very much in common. Uh, and so that was important to me uh, as well. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, like I said, I was in Tanzania last year. So my point is, I, I think it's quite inspirational to see young people in spaces where they have not been encouraged to exist before. Uh, and it is why it's important that we recognize that we can do anything we put our minds to. Um, for me, that was you know going to presidential classroom when I was in, in high school. I was one of two people selected out of the state of California, uh, California Alabama, uh, to go to Washington, D.C. for a week. Um, so I was really more on the political side of the house. And so this goes to that social justice thing that I was talking about earlier. So I've seen my work grow around this concept of social justice and what it means to get involved in the community. Uh, as you know, when I was there in Trenton, I served on the Board of Education for almost six years. Um, and that was, a, that was an interesting time. <laughs> Um, for me. Um, and it also gave me insight into, because I didn't have a child in the uh, school system there. My daughter is 30 years old. Um, so what's important to me is that we show up in a way that allows us to let young people know, listen, whatever you put your mind to, you can do. You can do it. And so um I was never the science kid, but I was always the one who believed that it is absolutely imperative that if you have a passion for something, you follow that passion. Follow that passion and make sure that you are achieving to your best abilities, right? Um, my father used to say to me, listen, if you're gonna do anything, make sure you do it right. Um, 
And so it's important that we do that. And today we can see why that's important because voting is one of those things. Um, I got my ballot yesterday uh, or this weekend, I got my ballot and I'm excited, right? I'm excited to be able to fill out my ballot. And, and why is voting, so, so I say this to people all the time, if voting wasn't so important, why do you think that certain people in government keep trying to take your vote away from you? Hmm. If it was not that important, right? That tells you how important it is. Every time they try to do the change the lines, uh, do the census, right? Census, uh, drawing the lines for districts. What they're telling you is your vote matters. And that's key. Uh, and so when we, I apologize for the background noise, I'm, there's some guys building a deck. Uh, oh, I don't hear anything. Oh, good. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so my, my coworkers may get activated at some point, and those are my two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's important. Voting is so important because, again, if it wasn't, then they wouldn't care, right? They wouldn't care. They wouldn't try to take that vote away from you if it was not important. Um, and when you have people, I've seen uh, celebrities, older folks who say, I've never voted. And the reason why they've never voted is because they said, my vote doesn't matter. And I say to them, well, the reason why maybe we're in the situation we're in is because enough people like that have allowed other people in the office. Now watch, watch here why your vote is important. So when when you're in a majority, let's say a majority minority town, right? And the only people who are elected are people who don't look like you. Those folks are making decisions about your life and the impact of your life that you have no say so in now because you did not exercise that right that you have. So this is why if you want judges, if you want mayors, if you want city council folks who have your best interest at heart, then you voting is so important, right? Because if you can change, right? If you can sit there and turn over, right? The people in office and say, well, we're gonna vote these folks up because they always talk about term limits. And we always say we do have term limits. It's every two years, every six years, every four years, right? So that's Congress, the Senate, right? And the president. Um, and so voting is so important because I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take you back to the University of Alabama when I was there. We had never had a black homecoming queen, never in the history of the University of Alabama, never had a black homecoming queen. Now. Um, we worked very hard. So I joined a fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, uh, while I was in school. And what was happening was we had the white fraternities and sororities was what we call the machine. And they would do block voting because you've got thousands and thousands of students who were in fraternities, the white fraternities and sororities but the black students wouldn't vote for homecoming queen or the regular students wouldn't vote. So every time the candidates for the machine would always win. So we got out and we started campaigning and say, look, your vote matters. As a matter of fact, if we block vote, we can, we can get our own candidate in, right? So there was a young lady from my hometown of Mobile, Alabama, as a matter of fact, she was Miss Alabama at one point. Um, so we all got together, we worked really hard. And for the first time in 1993, we voted in the first black homecoming queen. And it made national news, <laughs> it, was, it was just crazy. So watch this, for, then for three years in a row, we had black homecoming queens at the University of Alabama, which was, unheard of. Um, 
And then they changed the rules in order to undo our voting power, right? And they haven't had one since. So this is why, right, it's, it's important that we run for office. And it's also important that we vote for people who are running for office that have our best interest, right, at heart. Right. I'm not telling you you've got to vote Democrat, Republican or whatever, but I'm saying if you find a candidate or multiple candidates that has your interest, then I encourage you to vote, uh, to get out there and your vote matters. So if, if we don't, then you see why you have mass incarceration because of the people that got elected. Right. Those are the people who change the laws about incarceration. Right. When you see crack. Right. Uh, back in the 80s and 90s, when you had crack conviction convictions versus powder cocaine convictions that were absolutely disproportionate. Now, I have a question for you. Who was smoking crack for the most part? Right. That was people of color for the most part, because that was the cheaper version of cocaine. Okay, the pure cocaine, right, was mainly done by our white counterparts. Their sentences were 10 times lesser than crack, although crack costs 10 times less than cocaine. Now tell me how fair that is, right? So what you had was a system now that allow for mass incarceration. Look at the number of brothers and sisters who've gone to uh, gone to jail or prison for marijuana. And now look at all the states who are benefiting from marijuana sales, right? Because they legalized it, yeah? Well, guess how that happened? People voted, people, people voted and changed the laws, right? If we choose not to participate in the civic system, okay, if we choose not to participate in the civic system, we make ourselves vulnerable to those who may not care about us, who may not have our best interests at heart, and who already see you as a person that is harmful to society, right? We have, we have redlining. Right? I don't know if you know what redlining is, but redlining is when the banks draw, they drew a red line around black neighborhoods and they devalued them. Right, And there was a green line that they drew around white neighborhoods, which drove the value up. And they said, black people, as a matter of fact, in some of the HOAs, the Homeowners Association, it says no blacks can buy homes there. That's what it used to say. But until we started voting and getting the right people in the office to overturn those unfair housing practices, that's the only way that that happens. And if young people sit back and say, well, this has nothing to do with me. What I'm telling you right now, everything that they do is impacting you, right? From how much money your school gets, Right. From whether or not kids can get free lunch. Right. From um, who's picking up your garbage and how often. <laughs> right. All of these things are impacted by your ability to get out and exercise that right that you have. Uh, I was in the military, as Mr. Paul said, and, and as and I was in Iraq when they when they got the right to vote for the first time, democratic voting. You, I have never seen anything like it in my life. We take it for granted. These people stood online for days just so they can get that thumbprint, right? It was almost like when you go to the police and they, they, they put your, your they, they roll your finger in that ink. That's the same way that they voted. They, they vote with their thumbs, right? They voted with that thumbprint. They walked around for days showing people that week <laughs> on their thumbs. Mm -hmm. That's how proud they were of what they were able to do. 
But we just like, man, it won't matter. It won't matter, right? Um, but that's, I believe, if more students, right, from high school, right, when you're ready to turn 18, because that's when you can vote, right? You should be voting for the rest of your life, right? You shouldn't have a time where you say, no, I had voted in the last 20 years. <laughs> and that hurts my heart every time I hear people say that, right? Or a, a woman who's in her 80s and when President, o when he wasn't a president, Senator Obama was running for office in 2006, right? And women, men in their 80s who had never voted in their lives voted for the first time. I was happy and hurt at the same time. You have celebrities who do the same thing, right? Shaquille O'Neal just articulated. He's never voted. And he is a deputy sheriff. He is a deputized officer. Uh, he has his EDD, his doctorate degree, right? He's a, a, a world champion in basketball. Uh, he's a terrible rapper, but... <laughs> <laughs> Right, but he has all this money, but he has never exercised his right to vote. Right, and I'm just, I get confused by that. I really am confused by people who say, my vote doesn't matter. And when you have millions of people who say my vote doesn't matter, because you, you can hear it from one individual, but I want you to hear that one person as, Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people saying my vote doesn't matter. And that's how you end up with certain people in office who don't have your best interest at heart, right? And this is what I try to tell young people from the moment you turn 18 years old and you can vote, get out, do it. It is your civic duty. If you want more science and engineering and math, right? You've got to vote for people who believe in those things, right? That's how the arts was taken away from high schools or from schools from K through 12, for the most part, because people got elected into office who didn't believe in the arts. They said, that's, that, we can cut that, right? And I think it was one of the most shameful things that we've done when you took home ec, right? You took shop away, right? The trades, you took the trades away from high schools. Well, guess what? If kids don't want to go to college, trade school was the other way to do it. And you can tell me that you can't make money being a mechanic, going back to Mr. Paul and his, no, that wasn't Mr. Paul who said that. I was, I was on another call earlier where there was a young man talking about his uh, grandfather who was a mechanic. And he didn't study, he was just gifted, right? To study cars. Well, nowadays you can't just be gifted because everything's a computer. <laughs> and they build these things in a way, but imagine this, you go and you get that skill and you go back to your community and open up a shop. You know, we love getting our cars worked off, right? We love making sure making sure that we're taken care of. And if we've got a person that we can trust in the community, well, that's the person we will go to. So imagine if we can have young people getting trade degrees and the ones who don't want to go off to a four-year institution, that's okay, right? That's all right. You can find a way to make, I always tell young people this, your passion will make money for you. Your passion will make money for you if you have some ambition, right? And that's that's what's key. That's important. Quick question for you. Um, yes, sir. Dr. Grant, how, how old were you when you first started to vote? Oh, I was 18. You were 18, moment, really? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I couldn't wait. I could not wait. Right, I was, when I was in high school, the year, my junior year before that, I, I was selected to be the mayor for a day, right? And so I got to hang out with our mayor in, okay. in, in the city and see what government looks like, right? Mm -hmm. How he operated. Uh, and it, it inspired me, right? I was the junior class president, senior class president. So I knew the impact of 
elections and what that meant. And so, yeah, I, I was 18. Okay. And the moment I turned 18, I couldn't wait to vote. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've been voting ever since. Cool, cool. I'm going op- to open it for you. I mean, did you have any more you wanted to add, Doc? Oh, no, no, you- yeah, I, I, I like it being a dialogue. I, okay, I yeah, let's, let, let, let's, let's start off a dialogue. If you guys have any questions, just shoot, shoot, just shoot the questions. Uh, I saw Mr. Bell curi- had his hand up. Any curiosities? Uh, I'm not in the class, but, um, you know, I feel that the Electoral College um, has taken away incentive for people to vote yeah. because, yeah. you know, you lose by three million votes and you still get elected. Yeah. So how does that work into, I mean, how can people feel that their vote matters when the Electoral College takes their vote away from them? That's a, that's a great question, Mr. Bell. I would say to you this, the Electoral College has outlived its usefulness. Right. There was a reason why they had the Electoral College in the beginning, and that was around we didn't have enough states. Right. So we needed representatives to go and make those votes for the people. Right. It's outused. It's outlived its usefulness. Think about it. If you don't live in certain states, most people think that their vote doesn't matter. Right. And it's what they call swing states. Right. So if Pennsylvania was is now a swing state. Right. Right. Because and the reason what they call swing states for the young people here, it's states that is that can be moved one way or another. Right. So can it be moved from blue to red or can it be moved from red to blue? And so those are the states that most presidential candidates target. Right. So when you see them going to Florida, right, when you they don't go to Texas. Although they have a lot of what electrical electrical electoral college votes in Texas, but they know Texas is always going to be what red, right? Now it may not be this time. So when you look at so last time Pennsylvania was one of those states. Normally Pennsylvania is what blue. Normally Pennsylvania was blue. Last and, time, them, and, and I want and I want them to differentiate the difference, Doc. That's Democrat and Republican. I don't know if you yes. said that already or not. No, I did not. Thank okay. you, thank you, thank you, Mr. Paul. No problem. Yeah. So that's the Dem- Democrats are blue, Republicans are red, right? So now, if you have a purple state, <laughs> see, it's all it's real convoluted, right? You can have a purple state as well, right? And so a state like Minnesota, um, which means it's split. Right, it's evenly, right? It's very evenly divided between um, Republicans and Democrats, right? And so that's a state also that can be changed though. It can be moved. Kansas, the state I live in right now is a, is a purple state. We have a Republican, we have a Democrat governor, but a Republican legislature, okay? So um, although Kansas is normally counted as a Republican state, a red state, Okay, California is considered a blue state. So they don't even go out to California and campaign because the Republicans already know it's going to be Democratic. Okay, so those are the things that are important. So the the Electoral College is key in those states that are that are swingable, right, that are movable, that have a lot of what you would consider undecided or independent voters. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would vote for us to get rid of the electoral college and are we, we, let's make it majority, Mr. Mr. Bell. I, I think it should be majority. Well, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but of course people argue that if they live in a little, a little state in the middle of the country, that they're not going to be represented because there's so many voters on the coasts. That's the sure. argument in favor of it. That's the normally, yes, that's normally, enough. right. Well, that's the other part though, is, is, is this, right? So and think about election night. Who do they, what are they, what votes do they wait for to come in after eight o'clock? California. It's, right, it's California, right? Ms. Paul, you nailed it, right? They wait for California. However goes California, goes the West Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once that happens, then they call it for who's going to win the presidency uh, that night. Now, let's be clear. It's not only the presidency that's important here. Congress is the other part, right? The Senate and the congressional races, right? Because think about it right now. The Democrats are lead or are, are hold the majority in Congress. The Republicans hold the majority in the Senate, but it is the Senate where the business 
it's truly done, right? That's where the decisions are actually made. Yeah, that's, so, where, that's where they can hurt your wallet. That's it, right? <laughs> and that's, your bank account. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. They can also affect your citizenship, right? Mm-hmm. They can also impact uh, your family and yeah. and what happens to your health care. Yeah. <laughs> all of that, yeah. So all of that, all of that comes into play. And this is why I tell people, when you say, I don't vote, you're saying, I don't care what people do to me. You can do whatever you want to me. I'll, I'll just take it. So I, I, I just want to say, I, I wish I was one of the younger people that got involved civically at a younger age. I was that I was that kid that, you know, that didn't think my vote or my participation meant anything. You okay. know what I mean? I was, actually, now, when did you vote, Mr. Paul? When did you vote for the first time? Wow. I, I voted for the first time. Uh, let's see, I joined the Navy yeah. uh, to um, not my first term, my, my first uh, hitch in the Navy, my second yeah. hitch. So I was like 20, I was 24. Okay. Okay. First time. Okay. Still that, that's about young, average. But, you know, that's about, yeah. That's but I wasn't consistent. Average. I wasn't consistent. Okay. You know, I was, I was not consistent and I didn't really vote on, you know, the I call them the the small votes, you know, the, <laughs> the, the the local votes, the local the local politicians and stuff like that. I did yes, I did senators and congressmen and stuff right. like that. But it wasn't until I, really when I really got politically inclined wasn't until two thousand. Okay. Bush. Okay. I I got fixated with with that, and I've become I've, I'm, I'm fixated with politics now ever since that Gore yeah. uh, Bush uh, decision. Can I may I ask you a question? Sure. Um, so in 2000, mm-hmm. where, what did you own in 2000? I'm sorry, what did I what? What did you own in 2000? What did, did I you own? own anything? Yeah. Uh, I had a home. Uh-huh. Go I ahead. I had um, two cars. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, was, I owned a fairly de- decent uh, bank account. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was it. That was it. But here's my reason, and here's why I say that. Here's why I asked that question. Because it isn't until we start owning things mm. where we care about what happens politically. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's the true. moment we start owning things. So think about it. When you're younger, you don't really own anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you don't really care about what happens, right? It, it doesn't impact you. It's but impacting we, your parents, and you don't care. Your parents are going to provide for you anyway. <laughs> Mom and dad going to take care of me anyway. So whatever, whatever. <laughs> so here, so here's my point to you. See, I got married when I was 19. Oh, okay. Well, okay. so did I actually. So I was right. <laughs> so you should have had some investment. Yeah, right? yeah. Nineteen. I I had just turned twenty when I got married. Like so, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's right. So yeah, I got married in '88, right? And um, I was a rising sophomore in college. My then wife was a uh, fifth year engineering student. Uh, she's in electrical engineering. So you know, I liked older women. But anyway, so. Um, that's, that was the other thing that impacted me was that she was now going to be right at some point. Well, by the time I graduated, then I was going to be a father, right? Two years later, now I'm getting ready to graduate from college and I'm about, she's about to have a baby, right? Our first child. Um, and so all of those things, right, were coming into play for me. And then I was getting ready to move to my first job out of college, which was um, moving to Texas. I went to Waco, uh, Texas for my first job there. But yeah, you're right. A lot of people dismiss the local elections as if, right, they're not impactful on their lives. Well, guess what? Those are the ones that are most impactful, right? So if you look at primacy recency, right, those are the ones you need. If you vote in any of them, vote in your local elections for yeah. sure. There are ordinances that are being passed, right? There are uh, laws that are being put into place. Um, um, yeah, that, that believe it or not, in those local ones, that one that one vote sometimes can does make, make a difference, brother. Yeah, yeah. That one vote because not 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 many people vote in the local ones, and so yeah. your one vote that you think is not important may be the one that swings that gate, Layla. <laughs> yeah, listen, I appreciate Layla. Layla's been, she's been, 
She's been engaged. I really yeah, yeah. She's engaged. Yeah, yeah. She, really she appreciate that's, that. And that's why I wanted them to show their faces because I wanted to see that they were engaged. I know most of them are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you know. That's how you know that somebody's well, engaged. Well, you know, Layla's got a job, so she's thinking about right the wallet. This, it, her wallet, right? <laughs> so if they raise, she wants somebody. If you want more money and you need to vote somebody who believes in what raising the minimum wage, mm-hmm. right? If we or or having a living wage, so if you if you're out there working at McDonald's or whatever or Marshalls, right, and they're paying you ten fifteen dollars an hour, man, I don't know how much they pay. Maybe it's eight dollars an hour. I don't know. I know when I was working at Applebee's, it was two dollars and fifteen cents plus tips. Which plus tips, bro. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we used to hate when black people used to come in there because they didn't believe in tipping. <laughs> so we're told, so we're told. I'm, I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to change that. <laughs> Me too. Me too, man. Oh, I never forget, man. We sit back there the black and, and this black, this black group of people come in and it's like, no, you go wait on them. No, you wait on them. <laughs> Nobody wanted to wait on them. <laughs> because we were not taught, right? We were not taught what it meant to go out and give 15, 10, however much percent of the bill. That wasn't something we were taught. I know at least not in my household. Because guess why? We couldn't afford to go out to eat, mm-hmm. right? We couldn't go to afford to go to restaurants and sit down and have a nice meal. We went to Burger King, buy one, get one free. And you get that wrapper from those candy sales that you did. Exactly. I remember those days. That's how you feed seven people. No, that's true. So I, what I'd say to folks is that we there were a lot of things in our communities that we were not taught. We were not taught how to manage what it meant. Listen, I had the opportunity when I was in high school, my senior year of high school, they had a financial planner come in to talk to our civics class. And he came in and he said, listen, um, there's a new company out, uh, Apple, right? And the stock is $5, Mm. $5 a share. And he explained what a share was, how it worked and everything to our class. And and we're sitting there like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, here's what you should know. I had $5 in my pocket that day. You know what I said? I can't eat a share. I'm going to McDonald's and spend. I'm going to get a big back. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine this. Imagine this in 1987. Took that $5 and played. Had it. I given that man my $5 and just forgot about it. Just forgot that I gave him that $5. And he put it into, uh, he bought me one share of Apple stock in 1987. Do you know how much money I have today? I would be a multimillionaire today from that one five dollars. Yeah, no doubt. My ignorance, right? My ignorance, right? And this is where the the good book says, for lack of knowledge, people perish. The people perish, right? Because we don't know, right? That's how the system is built, because it's not. It wasn't built for people who look like us. Right. That's the other part. We have to get used to that as well. So we need to put ourselves in spaces where we can learn these things. Right. And I'm grateful that Mr. Paul is exposing you all to people who can help you. Right. And I would tell you now, if you have five dollars, go to a site, (laughs) go to Schwab And you can buy pieces of Google right now. You can buy pieces of Apple right now, mm-hmm. right? Find a young and up and coming stock, right? And just put money into it and forget it, right? Forget about it. Take that was a Marine. Thing and walk away. Yeah, there was a Marine, Mr. Paul. When when I was on active duty, I was, I was a chaplain. I was stationed in Okinawa with the Marines. And um, his father had invested in Microsoft when he was a baby. He turned 21, right, when he was on Okinawa, and we had to release him from the military. You know why? Had to go home, take care of that money. That's right, brother. (laughs) He was a multi, 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 multi multi-millionaire now, 
when he turned 21 because of the investment his father made when he was a boy, right? 21 years later. Now think about it, Layla. I don't know how old you are right now. I'm guessing somewhere between 16 and 18, right? So imagine if you take five, $10 or whatever you waste, right? And you said, I'm gonna buy some stocks with this money once a month, once a month, I'm gonna take $50 and invest it in some stocks and then forget about it, right? Watch, and, and now, right? Now, we didn't know Apple was gonna turn out to be a multi-trillion. Now, here's what you gotta understand. Apple is the first trillion dollar, trillion dollar company. I need you to understand what that means, right? That's so many zeros, you can't even put it, it won't even fit on the screen, right? So had I not, had I heeded the words of that financial advisor, right? I wouldn't, right? You and I would be having a different conversation to this day, yeah? Um, and so this is what I try to tell young people, get involved. Don't just sit back and wait for people to do things for you. Read, right? I'm a, I'm a lead. I'll, I'll put something. In, I want to put something in, 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 in your spirit. Also, that was put into mind by one of my mentors. He was the first black admiral on the chaplain side for the Navy, right? Admiral Barry Black. And he sat myself and my best friend Jonesy down, and he said, "Listen, gentlemen, um, readers are leaders." and leaders are readers because people miss out because they refuse to read. They don't read, right? You've got a lot of information gatherers, but no learners. And that's what we have today. Since you have Google and Facebook and TikTok and all these other things, people are just gathering information, but they're not learning anything, right? They're not doing critical thinking, right? So I would encourage you, read. The ones who read are the ones who actually lead. They end up leading, okay? Um, and I don't, I, 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 what Mr. Paul and I are trying to help you do is to maybe not make some of the mistakes we made. And that's what, that's what our role is as now senior citizens of, senior citizens of the world. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> we don't want to believe we are, right? We still want to believe we're 18 and 19 years old because we still feel it, right, on the inside. But, right, I'll be 52 this year. And um, for me, it is now my job to lead young people, right, to lead young people in a direction that I didn't go. You wearing that 1987 shirt, I love that year, right? That was the year I graduated high school. Okay, so um, it's important now that each one reach one. We got to reach back, right? This is what Mr. Paul is doing, right? With this program, with this teaching that he's doing, educating, he's reaching back saying, I know you can do better than I did, right? That's what I do with my students every day. I love getting them out of, out of high school. I, lo I love teaching freshmen in college, right? Because they're still green and still naive. And I was like, I'm not only gonna teach you the material for this class, I'm gonna give you some life lessons, right? And it is those students later on and say, hey, Dr. Graham, thank you so much, right? Because listen, I know all of my students aren't there to learn. <laughs> That's the other part. They're not all there to learn. Some of them just wanna get a grade so they can move on, right? And I say, for the ones who are here to learn, welcome. For the ones who are here for a grade, welcome also. Here's what you need to know. There's going to be a difference between you in 20 years, okay? And if you're not willing to put in the work to be the best, because as a, as a person of color, and, and Mr. Paul knows this as well, you have to work two times as hard to be considered equal to your other colleagues, okay? Especially if you're in the sciences, right? 
especially. Now, I still walk into spaces and my credibility goes down because of the shell that I was born in until I open my mouth. And then there's like, oh, and then my credibility goes back up again. But just by virtue of the fact of the shell that I was born in, I want you to think about that. They downgrade me just because of that. Okay. And so you're already going in as a deficit. (laughs) So that means your knowledge level needs to be exponentially higher. So when you do open your mouth, they are just blown out of their seats by you because of your knowledge, skills, and abilities. Good advice. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna say anything. You guys, go ahead and do the question thing. You guys have any questions for Dr. Graham? Oh, thank you, Zoe. <laughs> you got a question, Zoe? Who's got something? Somebody's got something. Yeah, Zoe, Zoe, Zoe just jumped out. <laughs> so, Mr. Paul mentioned in your bio that you're you you used to live in Trenton. So, did you go to Trenton High or did you go like? to like any middle schools in Trent? So no, so I was, I am not a Trentonian. Uh, I moved to, so I was hired, I lived in California before I moved to New Jersey. Uh, I came to New Jersey because I was hired by Princeton University. Uh, I could have lived in Princeton, okay? I chose to live in Trenton, okay? Because I wanted to live in a city where I can make a difference. Right. Princeton doesn't need me. They got plenty of people who are trying to help Princeton. Right. Trenton needed me. Right. And that's where I wanted to be, um, which is why I served on the school board as well. Right. Um, I worked in on this other nonprofit called Beautiful Trenton, trying to help beautify Trenton and, and make it a try to get rid of this stigma that Trenton is um a bad place and all these are, there are good people in Trenton who just have to happen to be in bad economic situations. So if you want to talk about poverty, we don't talk about poverty, right? That's what we don't talk about. Poverty is what leads to crime. Poverty leads to crime. Okay. Let's be clear. Now there are, yes. Now here's what I need you to think about too. There's a difference between white collar crime and blue collar crime, right? And white collar crime is a crime. No, here's the deal. Two people steal. One steals from a convenience store. The other one steals from a bank. One gets to go to a cushy prison and the other one gets to go to a hard maximum security prison. Now, who do you think gets to go to which one? So the white collar crime is considered the educated people's crime, right? You're stealing money at a higher level. And you're, for some odd reason, your punishment is much less than if you stole from a convenience store. So no, to answer your question, Zoe, I wasn't born in Trenton, but I, uh, when I lived there for nine years, I, I bled eight, everything Trenton. Um, Trenton High was one of my projects. The new Trenton High uh, was one of the projects when I was on the school board and I was so excited. I hated I had to leave prior to the opening. I got invited back uh, when they did open it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I was so excited that the students were going to be able to get a beautiful high school that they were deserving of. It was a long time coming. Are you, Zoe, are you in Trenton? Uh, I live in Trenton, but I don't go to Trenton High. I was just asking because I just wanted to ask you, have you seen improvements or has it gotten worse or has it stayed the same? But sure. I just, yeah. yeah uh, unfortunately, Trenton is stuck. Trenton is stuck in uh, a, a vicious cycle of eating itself, right? It's the people there, they, they're feeding on each other. Uh, and so... Hence, they can't, it's always power over rather than power with or power under, right? Power under lifts, right? And we always say a rising tide raises what? All boats. Power with saying, let's journey together, right? We're going to work together. We're going to do everything we can together to be successful together. 
power over says, I'm going to dominate you, right? Because you're not equal to me. So then you have what they call the elites who think that the others who are not educated don't have what it takes to run their own cities. And I absolutely disagree with that. I will also serve with the Trenton's Children's Course. I was the president of the Trenton's Children's Course when I was there as well. So I love that. Those kids can sing. Absolutely. Or do you go to school in, in where do you go to school, Zoe? Um, well, we all go to STEM. So. Oh, everybody goes to STEM. Okay, great. Great. Beautiful. And I appreciate STEM, STEM being available as a charter school. Um, and and I'm, now one of the things is that, right, it, some of our best and brightest leave <laughs> and end up in the charter schools. Um, and, and I get it. I absolutely get it. But I'm happy to see that you're engaged here. And I appreciate it. I love that. I love your picture, too, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Layla, you were going to say something, weren't you? Go ahead. Don't be shy, girl. Don't be shy. Nobody's shy. But it's it's not really a question, it's more like, like a statement. Um I think that it's really important, especially for like black kids to be able to receive like education such as STEM because we're not like really seen in those kinds of fields ever. And I feel like people like whenever like like you said you like to go skiing because it's like people say like oh like you know that's not that's not normal and it's because so many years it's not a norm and I feel like we should start making it a norm because it whenever like I walk into a room and, and it's like I'm doing something that's like not normal people they're like oh like why is she here it's because in society it's not normal because we always get treated as less than we always get the the bad hat like we always get the bad and I feel like when people actually take the time and be like, okay, like, I'm going to actually help you. Like, I'm going to make trying a better place. And it's like, you give kids the resources that they need to succeed. That's when we do better as a society and we make it normal. Yes. Yes. Later, that, that was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> You're going to make me cry, by the way. Okay. You, you all are the students. You listen, we failed. Right? Me and Mr. Paul, we failed. Mr. Bell, we failed. It's on you now, right? You all are the ones who can change this, right? We had our shot, right? We old now, right? Although Ms. We Paul- We did a little bit, right? You don't want to admit it, but- <laughs> it's I, Hey, if you, saw, if you see me get up from this chair, you know I admit it every day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I feel you, I feel you. So this is why it's important, right? It's important, Layla, that you all take seriously voting, right? Your civic duties, because that's the only way we change it, right? Um, I, the Mayor Jackson was, is still a good friend of mine and I, I enjoy working with him. He had a chance to try to do something better for Trenton, uh, but unfortunately, we were not be able to get those things done. I I I left. I wasn't there for your new mayor. I hope things have gotten a little better. Uh, but I will tell you this right now: the unions are what's killing Trenton right now, right? It is it is the teachers' union. Um, mm -hmm. Until you have new leadership there in Trenton, you you need the you the teachers' union has to think about more than just themselves, they have to think about the students. And you, we've got to do some innovative thinking, sort of what you all are doing here. Mr. Paul is doing something. This is great, I love this. I, I wish we had more of this, Mr. Paul. I don't know how we can get more of this, but I'm not saying that unions are bad, but what I'm saying to you is this. I was on the school board for six years and we tried to get some innovative things for Trenton Public Schools and the union wouldn't allow it. It wouldn't allow it, okay? And I'm not bad-mouthing the union. What I'm saying to you is this. We have an opportunity. It's going to be on you all now to, to change um, the future. And whatever I can do, I'm more than happy to help. Please call me uh, if you need me to do anything. 
I make myself available because that is my duty. That is my pledge that I will work till the day I die to help Trenton or wherever that needs needs me. I'm more than willing to be there. Great, great. Thank you, Dr. Graham. I mean, I, I wanted to interject more, but we have run out of time. Thank no you very much for for all that you've shared. And I know you, you've peaked. I mean, you've motivated me, you know, to keep to keep pressing on. And I would pray that you've motivated these young ones as well, as well as our listeners. And so thank you all for joining us today. And uh, we hope to see you next week again, right here, same time on the, uh, wow, I almost forgot where I was. Stamp Civics Radio Show. See you guys next week. Thank you again, Dr. Graham. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs>